Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. great pleasures of the past few months has been all the amazing young people that I've been able to speak with. Too often, millennials have been cast as an apathetic participation trophy generation. Oh my gosh, Varshani, I'm sure, I'm sure you're smiling over that one. And today's guest is Varshani Prakash. Is all the proof you will need that this characterization has been misguided the passion of environmental leaders like Vershani is giving me hope. Yes, hope for the future because of what they are doing in the present. Vershani leads the Sunrise Movement, an organization whose goal is to elect leaders who will tackle climate change. Sunrise is best known for sit-ins outside Speaker Pelosi's office where they demanded action on the Green New Deal. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, another young leader of today, joined them. Brashani's new book, Winning the Green New Deal, Why We Must, How We Can, a collection of essays from leaders and experts championing the Green New Deal, is recently out from Simon & Schuster. If change is going to come, it's going to be because of climate fighters like Farshani, who recognize Superman isn't coming, so we better get busy. Farshani, thank you for being here today, and welcome to Superman's Not Coming. Thank you for having me, Erin. It is such a distinct honor and pleasure to be talking to you. I feel like you were one of the people that inspired me to get into the fight to begin with. So it feels... I'm one of the old original founders. (laughs) It feels really wild to be talking to you right now. Well, I can't. Thank you. I'm so excited to have you on. And I just want to share with everyone, your beauty just, it it just shines through looking at you. And it's so, so wonderful. Thank you for being here. So I know we're going to have a ton of things to talk about. I have a gift of gab. I don't know if you do, and I can just go on forever, especially when I'm excited to have you on. <laughs> so can you tell us about Sunrise Movement? Yeah. So Sunrise Movement, I mean, you said it at the beginning. We are a movement of young people that are fed up with our politicians kicking the can down the road on climate and failing to act. Um, We have known about the climate crisis for literally twice as long as I have been alive on this planet. And for just as long, um, we have seen the political establishment fail to take the kind of dramatic and urgent action necessary. So what Sunrise is all about is taking that frustration, the anger, um, but also the hope and the readiness for action that so many young people do have today, millennials, Gen Z, um, and transforming that into political action. So we really see Sunrise as as a political vehicle for change for young people in America today. So I'm so glad to hear all of this. A, I I hear and I feel and I see your passion. And 
I, I, I've been doing this for 20 years and this isn't something that just showed up. This has been a process, if you will, of politicians kicking the can down the road. Mm-hmm. I've often talked about we were comfortable, uh, and I don't, I don't want to say complacent, but there was maybe a false illusion that it was being taken care of. Right. And there's a, a moment where we're waking up, and, and it is the next gen. What, you know, I've always said people are visual, and I think, is it because we're now really seeing the effects that we're getting active involved? Yeah, I think there's a few different things. One, absolutely, right? Like we are watching our country ablaze in fires. I'm getting letters from friends in Denver, Colorado, who are saying, I'm writing this to you from my self-made bunker. Um, I'm getting, you know, um, calls for help from our local chapters in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, who are saying, Farmers' livelihoods are devastated because of this derecho that just tore through Iowa. Um, I'm I'm talking to communities in the Gulf South who are saying, we haven't seen a doubleheader storm like this, Mm. Um, and who are telling me about communities in Southwest Louisiana who are in the storms, who were in the storm's path, and also, you know, facing some of the worst COVID rates in the country. Um, So I think people are witnessing the crisis in in full relief, um, and, and, and kind of thinking to themselves, wow, if this is what is happening in our country in 2020, can you imagine what it would look like just 5, 10, 15 years? in the future and waking up to the reality that the time to act is now. Um, I think the other piece of it is that, you know, young people, like we have always been the climate generation. One of the defining moments of my young life was watching Hurricane Katrina absolutely devastate um, uh, New Orleans and the surrounding Gulf Coast area. Um, and I think, you know, at that time and, and the years following, I was waking up to the reality of environmental degradation and pollution and climate change. And I remember thinking when I was 14 years old, learning about climate change in my science class and thinking, oh, they're saying we have 2020 to figure things out. I am sure that some responsible adults, some responsible adults will take care of the matter before, you know, 2020 comes around and, you know, a decade passes and, we find ourselves realizing like there are no adults in the room. There are no sort of um, leadership figures that are leading the way on this issue in a way that is going to prevent my generation from having to face the worst of a careening, you know, careening towards climate catastrophe. Um, And that's a lot of the impetus for creating Sunrise, I think was realizing, wow, this generation, we need a, a, a way to speak for ourselves and we need a way for young people to actually have power in this country and work alongside in an intergenerational way with lots of other activists as well. You know, uh, it, how sad to hear, you know, there is no adult in the room. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm an adult and I do lots of things that are going <laughs> Yeah, not you, Erin. I'm definitely not talking about you. I'm just saying we were looking but at, I, you know, Mitch McConnell and being like, oh my God, this is our political leadership, you know? And I, I agree with you. And I'm so glad that you said that because I watch it <laughs> and I'm like, now see, now here's the reverse role. I feel like I'm dealing with my five and six-year-old granddaughters in a fight. <laughs> so, I mean, where have we not come and why haven't we got there? In my book, Superman's Not Coming, I say, whatever your cause is, 
you have to have tools and organization mm -hmm. to know how to fight. Mm -hmm. and, and you've done that. So how big has the organization become? And is, you know, I, I want to share with people because, you know, numbers matter and joining yeah. the collective matters and it becomes bigger and bigger. Yeah. Yeah. So everything that has been built with Sunrise was built in the last three years. Um, we launched in the summer of 2017 with a pretty simple mission, which was just to make climate justice that was rooted in racial and economic equity um, a priority in America for the first time in our nation's history. And through that process, we started building out uh, recruiting and training young organizers. We helped um, catalyze direct actions and civil disobedience that actually um, got the urgency of the climate crisis into the media and into the immediate conversation that people were having in their living rooms about um, the issues that of, of, of today. And so from that moment, when we launched with zero chapters and just you know, me and eight of my friends, really, who were That's all so under the cool. age of 26, we now have, I mean, over, you know, 300 or 400 chapters across the country that are kind of self-organized formations of young people, a part of Sunrise. Um, we're active in uh, almost every single state in the country. Um, we've been able to pull off we probably have somewhere around 15 to 20,000 active members. We've been able to train tens of thousands of people, both offline and online, um, in political education, in, you know, grassroots organizing. Like, how do yes. absolutely ordinary people, like there was nothing special about me when I joined the movement, aside from a burning desire to uh, make the world a better place. And... Um, how do we find the young people like that and skill them up to go from, you know, I'm concerned about the climate crisis to I'm actually going to be a leader and bringing other people into this movement um, and, and growing the movement for, you know, months and years to come. So it has, you know, absolutely exploded. And, you know, we just uh, delivered a pretty huge victory alongside um, Ed Markey in, in, in Massachusetts. And, you know, over the just the span of that campaign, we went from having 18 chapters in Massachusetts to having over 45. And um, we were able to make, you know, two over 200,000 phone calls to voters. Um, and that's just, you know, one race we've been we've been able to do that in Jamal Bowman's race in New York um, did it for Marie Newman we did it for um, you know a number of different candidates all across the country who champion progressive values and are not just going to vote um, on the issues but are actually going to stick their neck out and take risks on behalf of all of us um, to ensure that we are able to pass the kind of legislation we need to protect people's livelihoods for 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 generations to come and you know this is all about courage and yeah. you've had the courage and i found the courage and i know where i found it from and i you're doing exactly what i do in communities um and why they don't always have the courage to speak up. I'm watching moms on the rise mm -hmm. in environmental issues across this country who didn't always speak up because they were pushed back on, you know, oh, you know, what do you know? I mean, it's happened to me. What do you know? You're not a doctor, a lawyer, a scientist. Why should we listen to you? And it's like, 
I don't have to be any of that to be a human and to tell you two out of frog and green waters messed up. <laughs> and I think moms are in a place where like, I don't have to be anything but to be a mom and to tell you my kid is sick right. and something is wrong. And for, for your organization, for Next Gen America, for those that is sometimes it's hard to, to put your courage into action because you get pushed back on. Have you experienced that? And how do you encourage next generation America to find that courage? Yeah. I mean, to me, it always came down to um, deeply holding in my heart and through everything who I am fighting for and what I am fighting for. And before I was aware of all the destruction of the world and the pollution and the damage and the harm and the violence, um, I fell in love with the beauty of it, right? I fell in love with trees and mucking around in lakes and, and spending time in my backyard and loving animals. And, and um, you know, I, I, I fell in love with nature and, or, you know, what we call quote unquote, the environment, which is basically everything around us that sustains us and gives us life. Um, and I thought about the people who mattered the most to me, my mom, my family in, in India, where the climate crisis is already wreaking havoc. I, I thought about my brother and the kind of world that I want him to be able to grow up in. Um, I thought about all of the kids that I meet and talk to on a daily basis. And it is really scary. I get a lot of pushback. I get, you know, I don't read my mentions on Twitter because it's just not a, <laughs> that fun of a place to be. Um, but I think being so grounded in your stake and being so grounded in what you are fighting for is the North Star, is the guiding light in everything that we do. Um, and if you can communicate, if you can if you can dig deep and really understand that for yourself and understand for the sake of what am I fighting, it makes everything else that much clearer. Um, and that doesn't mean that the fear isn't there or the, 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 um, I, I still contend with the anxiety or the fear on a daily basis, but I think what allows me to triumph over it or move through it or process it is this understanding of the love that's on the other side. Um, and I think that's essential for, for every person that wants to take up the cause. Right. And that's, uh, I agree with you a hundred percent. And I, I've, oh my gosh, you know, I'm an old lady here at 60. I've been talking about that for 20 years. It's about finding ourselves yep. again. It's yep. about believing in ourselves again. And I am, um, I've, I've learned that lesson as a young age, cause I'm a dyslexic. I've learned through divorce. I've, I've learned out there in a community there's all these ideas of labels and judgment and perceptions mm. and putting people in a, uh, in a box. And we've lost ourselves. We've gotten disconnected from ourselves. Yeah. So to find the moment to find yourself is where things change and that courage resides. And I've learned that it's embracing and being honest that you're afraid, mm. that you're uncertain and oftentimes, you know, we don't want to be the first one to put our hands up in a classroom and ask a question because everyone says you're silly or that was stupid, right? Yeah. Who cares? And I think it's that first step that you can take and, and you clearly have, you own it. Yeah. You 
it is rooted in your gut. It's mm -hmm. guttural. And, and that becomes your driving force. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's so um, true. It, you, you're just, you amaze me. And, you know, so I do want to ask you, you know, I told you I have the gift of gab. I'll be all over the place. And I'm so <laughs> excited to have you on. Uh, your new book, Winning the Green New Deal, is mm -hmm. full of ways to bring about Green New Deals. And let's talk about that a little, because, you know, I hear people say, oh, the Green New Deal. And I know we're going to get pushback from companies and industry that this is going to create no jobs or we're just going to fall apart because of it. How do you feel about that? And what is the first thing on the list yeah. that needs to be tackled? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, there's a, there's a lot of confusion out there in large part because of, you know, the misinformation that you just named about what the Green New mm -hmm. Deal is. But ultimately, how we understand the Green New Deal is the package of solutions um, to the climate crisis that are actually at the scale of the crisis and that leave no person behind. And so the first piece of this is, um, you know, this isn't about a vision of this isn't about for you know for so long we've talked about the climate crisis in terms of taxes and and punitive measures that uh, mean that we're going to have to change our lifestyle in 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 some kind of really detrimental way. The Green New Deal is about saying we can collectively come together to stop the greatest existential threat of our lifetimes, and it's going to benefit our communities collectively. This is about saying um, we are going to create tens of millions of jobs decarbonizing our economy. And they are going to be good jobs. They are going to have benefits. They are going to have high wages that are family sustaining. They are going to have access to a union. Um, the Green New Deal is about ensuring that clean air and clean water and, and, and uh, livable land are inherent human rights for every person on the planet, not just the ones that can pay their way. Um, the Green New Deal is about um, uh, ensuring that we have adequate public transportation, fast, renewable, um, reliable public transportation, um, about ensuring that we have clean, affordable housing. Um, so it, you know, it is virtually when we think about what we have to do to tackle the climate crisis, it is about changing everything about the way that our economy functions and how we get and use our energy. Um, and so it is a transformation towards an economy um, that is far more uh, renewable and sustainable across virtually every sector, right? Whether it's agriculture or power sector or water or transportation and so on and so forth, manufacturing. Um, and the first piece of this, I think, is um, we currently are in the midst of a crisis. There are tens of millions of people who are unemployed because of this pandemic. And at the same time, um, we the, the climate crisis is reaching a fever pitch. We have an opportunity if, if, if someone like Joe Biden is elected to office to pass um, one of the most ambitious green jobs and infrastructure plans of the 21st century. Um, and we have the ability to both employ millions and millions of people in that process to tackle the climate crisis uh, as a result, 
and reduce racial disparity by employing people of color and low-income folks in those jobs, um, eradicating legacy pollution as a part of that program, um, and, and generally improving quality of life for the most marginalized among us. So I think that's the first step, and I think it is like... I can taste it, it, but you know what, Joe Biden already has that in his plans. (laughs) He already has that in his plans because of the movement energy over the last few years. So now what we've got to do is we have to have an unstoppable force of movement power of everyday people that are going to be willing to stand up and say, yes, Joe Biden, this is the vision that we want. We're going to push you to go even more ambitious and we're going to ensure that industry and you know, the politicians that are kind of in the pockets of, of, of big oil are not able to stop us. Well, you know, I'm so fascinated listening to you. I think one of the first things I have to say is you definitely have the power of stick intuitiveness. <laughs> I grew up with this word from my mom and stick to it in a She always told me life is going to require that you have it. We're not born with it, but you have to develop it mm-hmm. and the habit of persevering even when you don't want to, and it would be easier to give up. Definition of stick noun, propensity to follow through in a determined manner. Wow. Dogged persistence born of obligation <laughs> and stubbornness. I'm honored. There you that are. One of the greatest compliments you could ever give me. I'm, I'm just thrilled. Thank you. And I hear that from you. And, and that is what it's going to take. And so you, you're, you're just amazing. And listening to you and the enthusiasm, it does give me hope. And about bringing in the collective and listen, I have to, I'm going to go here with you. People, people will ask me this, but I really see it in you. Do you you see yourself running for office? You know, it is definitely a possibility. It's definitely in the cards. I, it kind of depends. It is less about, it is, it has never been about personal ambition for me is about, what is the greatest need for the movement at that time? And if the greatest need for the movement is for me to be in office and for us to have more people um, uh, in who are governing on this set of values, Mm -hmm. then I am very much willing to consider it. Um, If, 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 if what the movement needs of me is to be leading the charge on the outside, I'm there as well. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm ready and I am ready, willing, know, and able. at attention. Stick-tuitiveness yes. on board. Yes. And I, I, what I love about the stick thing is it's also what's required of us on a societal level, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are like, well, you know, you guys did that action two years ago, Nancy Pelosi's office, and now it seems like things have changed and maybe, you know, the Green New Deal isn't hitting every headline ever like it did in that the week following that, that action. Um, but I say, you know, we're going to have to do this repetitively years yes. after year after year. We, yes. I mean, if you look at what allowed for some of the, the policies associated with the New Deal, it was like thousands of strikes by trade unionists. Um, it, you know, 
for Nixon to pass um, the Clean Air Act, the Clean Water Act, the uh, Endangered Species Act, there were 20 million people in the streets on Earth Day for the first Earth Day in 1970. We are going to need social mobilization um, and direct action unparalleled for anything that we have seen before. And so it's taking this personal stick to itiveness, but we've got to apply it on a societal level and essentially say as a movement, we refuse to give up until we get the future that we so deserve as young people, but also just as people who are existing on this planet and seeing it just thrown uh, you know, into chaos. Well, and, and you're absolutely right. And that is the one thing that we need is that repetitive, um, motion and i think of it like a super bowl game and come into the game knowing you're going to get pushed around and pushed on yeah and you pick the ball up and you're really excited because you rush 20 yards but bam you get knocked down here's the thing don't stay down they're counting on you staying down pick the ball back up you might get pushed back five yards get knocked down pick that ball up, you might rush 50 yards. So I visualize it that way. And that is what it takes is that persistence, that determination, and that repetitive over and over again to get that message out. And that's formidable. And and you don't go away. You know, I, um, I could talk with you forever. And so I'll I'll try to wind it down here. Uh, There's this idea that I, I believe we've been doing things ass backwards. <laughs> we need to do infrastructure, safety, and people first. Mm-hmm. And there's this idea with companies or industry that if you do that first, there's no profitability in there. So they take the profit on the upfront. And at the end of the line, here the people pay, the environment pays, and then they're yeah. upset because they've been sued for billions and billions of dollars why we put chemicals into the marketplace first without demanding a five to seven year study to show what it does before we even put it into the marketplace. So I think there's a real shift that has to happen and we're, we're stuck on an idea, but putting safety and infrastructure and people first is the best way to go. And how do you perceive getting companies to finally realize you're doing it the wrong way? It's a new business model. And there is such room for reform of antiquated laws, reform of antiquated policies mm-hmm. that we have to make those changes to move into the future. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a great question. I mean, we actually talk about this a little bit in in the book, but I actually think it requires essentially a a realignment of the values that kind of govern American society right now. And over the last forty years, kind of starting with 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 Reagan, we saw this value system of, um, you know, basically like the deregulation of industry of disinvestment in the public sector. Um, We saw kind of, you know, and and with that, the rise of rampant wealth inequality um, and uh, the ballooning of the climate crisis, the ballooning of the prison population. We've really seen this this economic system that kind of creates winners and losers. And um, 
puts the onus on individuals and says, pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. Um, and that has been a really toxic message. And it's been a really toxic system by which our, uh, our, our policies have been derived and we have governed um, in, in a way that has been antithetical to what is actually good for the average person living in America and particularly for marginalized communities. And so I think we need um, essentially what, what we call like a realignment uh, where we have movements, we have academia, we have businesses and institutions, um, we have all of these, we have politicians, we have unions, we have all of these forces um, moving towards a new set of values that are based in dignity and equality and justice for all people, regardless of you know what you look like or the color of your skin or where you live or your political affiliation or how much money you have. Um, and that is a process I think that has to come from the bottom up and yes. I think that many of the people who lead these major institutions, whether it's in politics or industry or, or whatnot, are oftentimes extremely responsive to public will. And if Very ordinary so. people actually lead the way, we find that the, the so-called leaders of, of our country are more often than not responsive to the, to the calls um, to action by everyday people. And so I think that is the greatest reason why if you've been, you know, sort of on the fence about joining a movement or you've been um, unsure if you're the, the one to, 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 oh, oops, sorry. If you've been unsure if you're the one to take uh to take action, like we need you in the fight because I think ordinary people are the true leaders in this country. And Absolutely. oftentimes it's the people in power that are following um, what we are calling upon society, how we are calling upon society to change. That is absolutely, you're 100% spot on. And, and it will lead me into the last question I'll ask you. And again, I, I could talk to you yes. all day. Yes. What do you say to members of my generation? who question young people like you and Greta and others who are stepping up. Uh, honestly, for my generation, not me, I don't question it. I'm all about, I told you, I've passed the Olympic torch and, and my whole career has been towards passing that torch, that courage, that message, that yeah. stick to to the next generation. It's really hard though yeah. for other those who are the leaders in the, the older generations, I don't know, to pass that on. What do you say to them? Yeah. I think we often get this critique. I don't think it's from, you know, everyone, but we get a, a, a very familiar critique to me is, you know, the things you're calling for are impractical. They are, it's naive that you think we could do this. Um, it's unrealistic. And to that, I would say, you know, we have like tens of thousands of the world's best scientists telling us we have little less than a decade to transform the entire economy of our country towards a renewable energy economy. And that is a transition so big for an economy so large has never happened before in human history. And maybe it is a little audacious to say that it must be done, but it must be done. If we want to save 
literally hundreds of millions of lives that are going to be adversely affected by this crisis. So to me, we have no idea what is actually politically possible in this nation. The only choice that we have is to call for what is necessary and to fight like hell to make it possible. <laughs> and in doing so, we make things possible that we never deemed or dreamed would be a reality ever before. And that has happened. I can say it's from personal experience. I had no idea the Green New Deal would be what it is today when we started this movement literally three years ago. But it is because we dreamed it into existence and we fought like hell to make it possible. Um, so I would ask the older generation, you know, link arms with us. Let's dream together. Let's envision a reality and, and, and a world that doesn't exist today, but let's close the gap um, between the injustices of today and the, the, the liberatory possibilities of tomorrow. Um, and I think, you know, we might not get it all in my lifetime, but we will come a hell of a lot closer than we would if we just let the world continue uh, the way that it is. Um, and that's what I really believe. And I could not live with myself if I didn't fight every day uh, for what I believed was necessary and refuse to settle for what I believe is, is within the confines of political reality. Well, bravo amazingly so well stated and i've always believed the baby boomers and next gen america we need to join forces yes. we were great great activists as are you and and rising and working together that was beautifully stated thank you i am your biggest fan i will work with you i am so delighted we are in a race of a lifetime we're at a fork in the road mm -hmm. and I couldn't be more excited at sunrise, the work you're doing, the message you're sending, your stick to itiveness that gives many of us hope. And thank you. It's just been such a pleasure. I really wish everyone could see just the, the beauty and delight in your spirit and who you are because I'm, I'm looking you. at it and I let me tell you what I'm going to be running right alongside you yes go yes well I'll I can say the exact same thing to you Erin I I am just honestly really honored to have been here and you are truly a personal hero of mine and really contributed to me believing that I could also make change in the world and so thank you for for all of the risks that you have taken all of the action that you have taken and how many people you are inspiring and let let's link arms and and Absolutely. make it happen thank Absolutely. you for having me on here and together we go I, I will watch with fascination uh, as you move forward and, and know that I'm right here and uh, your biggest cheerleader. And I do believe collectively we can do this. And thank you for the hope awesome. and the inspiration. Yes. Anytime. Take care. You Bye. You too. It's Aaron Brockovich. You're listening to Superman's Not Coming. And we'll be right back. I hope everyone enjoyed the conversation with Farshani and, and the Sunrise Movement and the Next Gen America and what they're doing. It was a fascinating conversation, Varshani. I am so proud of you and so hopeful to see 
next gen America, making the steps for climate change, for cleaner water, for a better environment, because that is the core principle of which all of us survive and live by that you are out there fighting for us. Thank you so much for your time today. I will be watching you and your power of stick to and knowing that Superman's not coming, but you're here. Fantastic interview. Thank you. I hope you all enjoy. Mm-hmm.